Perfect. All right. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest, um, Aaron Malays. Malice, yeah. Malice. I was like, I knew I was saying it wrong. <laughs> Malaise, I think, is like an, uh, a, a disease of the middle, middle ages. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that's awkward. <laughs> Which I we can talk it. about that later. It is my right. uh, married name. <laughs> 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 that was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. And I want to make like middle ages don't live in the 1400 jokes, but we'll, uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's just for fellow history nerds, but, yeah. um, Aaron and I originally met at, at a makeup party that I was doing. And then you also were in the national speaker association with me. And, yep. um, I know we're in for a big treat. I've been looking forward to your story. And then you started being all interesting and I was like, stop. We have to do it on the podcast. Stop being interesting when we are not recording. Yes. (laughs) Because this is the whole point is that others can hear amazing stories. And from, and one of the things that I love is you can never look at someone and know their story. For sure. You got to talk to people. You got to talk to them. So dive in my friend, dive in. Oh gosh. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I'm 48, just turned 48 in hey, August. We're the same age. Yep. Little, so little hotties. Yeah. Hotties from the Gen X generation where, yeah. you know, we were pretty much feral children and, <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. you know, uh, I don't know why um, I found that so funny. It was like kind of a bitter ha ha laugh, <laughs> Oh, it, you know, but it is, it totally is. And but they I think, called us latchkey children back. Yes. Then. Yes. But I don't yes, think being a, having to open your own door is considered a, a hardship nowadays. No, I think no. most kids are going to have parents that work. Yes, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think it's a different world too. Like I, I would never, um, have my kids just come home and maybe it's because of my experiences and I'm just very careful about who they stay with, who they you right. know, are alone with. Obviously we didn't, so. we didn't have I don't know if the term pedophile existed and that could just be the vocabulary that had not been given to me yet. Yeah. Uh, and you know, yeah. I, I, it's still, I mean, obviously with my second book, you know, love me too, obviously that was something that was happening, but it wasn't something that we were aware of. I remember one time somebody talking about how people can grab you and do mean things to you. And, and I was like, Oh, phew. I don't have to go find a stranger for that. I mean, that was like my thought thought process. Like, oh, I got plenty of my own people. I don't, strangers can be bad too. Stranger danger. What? Interesting. Strangers are dangerous. I don't want to know what. (laughs) What Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But we just didn't have the awareness, which thank heaven we have the awareness of that because so much happens in shadows. Yes. Um, but yeah, it it's it, and our parents didn't have cell phones. No. To keep track of us. My mother had a bell, like a cow oh, bell. Nice. Yeah. Like cast iron. Thing a ling a ling. Yeah. Yeah. No, not a thing of like. I mean, it was like doo, 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 kind of bell. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like and to you call could you hear home. it for like a mile. <laughs> mm. And when that and it was a cattle bell. When that cattle mm-hmm. bell rung, we and you know it was like with the rope. Mm-hmm. To, oh, okay. Okay. When yeah. that bell rang, we better come a running. Yeah. 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 No, we didn't have that, but I lived, we lived, um, in a house, we had a, basically a mini farm, right? We had horses and goats and 
like all that stuff. And so we would just take the horses and go, we lived by the river. I grew up in Albuquerque and we lived by the river in the Bosque and we would just take the horses out, be gone all day on the horses and, um, you know, not a care in the world. Right. You know, and my brother would go out on his BMX. I would go out on my bike with my friends. And as long as you were home and this is so cliche, right. As long as you were home when the streetlights came on, you know, that was the thing. We ate dinner together every night, you know, this, well, this like congrats little... to your parents for eating dinner together every night. That yeah. Is, um, I, um, we ate dinner together every night. I wouldn't say that it was a joyous <laughs> experience. But okay. So <laughs> that being said, my own personal theory, because uh, you know, you hear the statistics about how important eating dinner is to help you yeah. know, keep your kids you know, they'll say like off drugs and off rock and roll or whatever. Um, but I think it's just because you can sit and, you know, share your ideas and your wisdom and learn about what's going on in their life. That's the value. Have your siblings all turned out as, um, can helpful people to society? Yes. Well, I have one brother and then I have a stepbrother and a stepsister. Um, who were, my sister is eight years older than I am. And my brother was, my older brother was six years older. And my, my biological brother is four years older than I am. So I was the baby of four. Um, And my stepbrother and stepsister weren't with us a lot because, because they were so much older. Um, So starting from the beginning, right. My father, my biological father passed away when I was three and a half of MS. Um, And that, you know, obviously put a huge, you know, that's initial trauma, right? <laughs> you talk he, about, um, yeah, my, my mother has MS. She has lightning strike MS. Mm. And, um, so she's got a lot of neurological things and my mm-hmm. grandmother tried to abort her, you know, so oh, wow. stabbing something. So, you know, the brain had to reprocess. And so I think that's where all these things come mm. from because you can't mm-hmm. scramble part of the brain and it not. Affect no, 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 absolutely. Um, no, I, they don't, you know, this was in the seventies, right? Um, so he was diagnosed when I was six months and passed away when I was three and a half years old. So um, it hit him fast and hard and, you know, he deteriorated like this. And so he was a mechanic and a artist and the first thing he lost mobility of was his hands. Wow. Very, and so, then back then they didn't have medications like they oh, do. They, it was like experimental that stuff like, that made him there's crazy. The, there's the, the kind that hits every, like remittent, I think they call mm-hmm. it. And then they mm-hmm. have the progressive that just hits and doesn't let up at all. Yeah. No, which is, and which is likely what he had. I mean, I don't think they really knew at the time. Um, and so... Wow. You know, he, my, my mom and he got divorced so that he could go back to California and get, you know, more heavy duty as, assistance, right? Because if wow. he was married and all of that, you couldn't, he couldn't get the kind of assistance he needed. And, um, you know, my isn't mom that, didn't work. Isn't that so crazy? Yeah. I mean, it's, I it's just, insane. But the I mean, fact that we don't general- take care of people when they get sick. And don't try to keep the family unit together, right? To literally do literally incentivize people mm-hmm. to not have family units. Mm-hmm. And then even as crazy as we try to regulate what that family unit looks like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care if it's two men. If they have decided that they're together, they're together. Like seriously. And they love each other and these children like, are growing up in a loving like come on. environment. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but that we are we literally incentivize. There's a statistic I heard that just blew my mind. And it was tracking um, African-American homes. Mm-hmm. And in the 1960s, 80% of 
of African-American homes had a mother and a father in the home. And then they started coming in and being like, hey, you know, we don't have enough of them going to college or, you know, different things. And so they started giving more benefits to single moms, which so guess again, what? then they're not going to get married. Yeah, I think I think it's wonderful <laughs> to give benefits to single parents, you know, for their kids to be able to go to college and have opportunities and food and, you know, food stamps and all that kind of stuff. But you get what you reward. Yep. You know, with your kids, if you yell at them, but you, they are, you giving them attention, you will mm-hmm. get more bad behavior so that you get, they get your attention because human beings want attention and we want significance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, anyway, and then in the 1980s, it, the, that was literally reversed. Mm-hmm. It only took 20 years. So one generation of people being raised, then mm-hmm. it was like, and maybe it wasn't quite reversed. Maybe it was like three quarters of where it was another mm-hmm. 20 years later. So mm-hmm. like in the two thousands or something, yeah. but it was just crazy that like 80% now of black homes do not have a mother and a father in the home. And yeah. um, I've seen pushback in the native American community mm-hmm. of them pushing, you know, of pushing this agenda of we'll give you benefits if you're not married. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been a pushback and you hope, I mean, the poor community, I, I could go on and on about oh, I know. that, oh, but yeah. yep. you've got an interesting Growing up in New story. Mexico, I, I get it. You know, oh, I see, now you're just of... going to sidetrack me. Focus me. Focus I know, focus. Here. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so dad passes away three and a half. My mom got remarried just before my fifth birthday to my stepdad, who was her, um, she went back to college because she didn't have she hadn't finished her degree. She and my biological dad met in college. And then, um, she dropped out to raise us, um, and be a stay at home mom. And my dad worked two, three jobs, whatever he could do while he was going to school, um, had gotten his bachelor's degree and then just focused on working. And then, um, you know, they, uh, they ended up, you know, splitting up because of all those circumstances. And, um, then when but he splitting passed, up, not because they didn't love each other, but to there was, yeah. And you know, my mom is still mad at him for a lot of reasons, um, which, you know, are completely justified in some cases, but it's not like he left her on purpose. You know, it's not like he could, he could control that, but right. you know, there was a lot of things that came out of that, that were very hurtful to her, um, things that he felt like he needed to confess to her um, to, you know, clear his conscience, which, which is a really crappy thing to do, right? To somebody that's, we have that's having to survive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, all that being said, I do believe that they had a true real love, but she also got pregnant with my brother. They had a, you know, somewhat, they're both, you know, Roman Catholics. <laughs> um, and, you know, they were, they got married because that's what you did, you know? And so, yeah. I think so that maybe a little young, too. a little too young. And so yeah. my stepdad was really her true love, you know? Um, well, and so everything happens for a reason. Uh, she, um, so she had gone back to school. Nursing school is what she was doing and to get her RN and her degree so that she would have some way to support us. Right. Right. And, um, you know, of course, cause she's, you know, seemingly a middle-class white woman, they put her through the ringer to get any kind of benefits. Well, can't your parents support you? You know, can't, 
you know, it looks like somebody paid this bill. Why did they pay that bill? Like there was a lot she had to go through and persevere to even get benefits while she was going through school so that, you know, she could support us. So she would take us to school and other people would watch us in the halls and stuff just so she could get it done because wow. like, she had no other way, you know? And so it's, it's kind of interesting. My mom, uh, I always say that she raised me to be incredibly independent and that became a double-edged sword for her when I became a teenager because <laughs> I was so fiercely independent. I'm like, I don't need you. Peace out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like whatever. <laughs> I don't want to live with your rules. I could support myself. See Maybe ya. a little bit of like what she did with her parents. <laughs> right. Right. I'll show you and your I'll rules. Sh- yeah. I'll, show I'll make you. a human. Yes. Which yeah. of course that's not the intention of kids. No, just, no, no. And it, so I always joke that and hormones are a drive exactly. and been doing it for millions of years. <laughs> so I always joke that my brother was the accident and I was on purpose. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure um, she loves that. Oh yes. Always. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, sibling rivalry, you know? Um, so, you know, they, my, so my mom and my stepdad met, um, he was her biology professor at the college and, um, Yes, Are they similar was, in age or am I just he's 10, weird? he's 10 years older than she yeah, is. I'm, I'm a little, that's fine. 10. I can do anything. Yeah. Older than that, I kind of raise an eyebrow, you know, like someone yeah. in the generation would. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he had, he had been divorced and, you know, um, so anyway, they, they ended up getting married when I was about five, but they're happy. Yes. Yes. Oh, um, yay. Yeah. And, you know, he had a lot of issues. She had a lot of issues, you know, then my brother and I had a lot of issues. I specifically had a lot of anger issues and, um, uh, but you know, hid what had happened to me. So from the time I was about six, Mm. six, seven to nine, I was abused by a neighborhood boy who was a babysitter for us. Now in hindsight, right? Like, you know, when I finally came out about it, I was like 13. Um, by 13. No, I was older than that because I was in high school. So it was about 14, 15 when I finally confessed to one of my best friends who, you know, interestingly enough, uh, is LDS and she, uh, her dad was, her dad was the bishop. Yeah. Of Latter-day Saints and her bishop, like the pastor. Yeah. Just clarifying it for those that are not (laughs) the culture. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I kind of, partially grew up in that culture, right. You know, spending a lot of time at her house with her parents and I, you know, go to church with them all the time. And my mom's only caveat was to that, that I went to mass with her every Sunday and then I could go, you know, I could go explore whatever I wanted to think, yeah, you know, yeah. she saw it as a positive thing, right. Cause it was going to keep me out of trouble too. Um, you know, yeah. of um, course I went to all the dances and we all know, <laughs> Back in the eighties, what happened in the parking lots of? Uh, no, churches. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> no, you don't. Okay, no, good. No, no. I, uh, people always tell me what some of those things happen in the parking lots, and I was like, I guess I went to different dances, um, but because yeah. <laughs> I had my own um, uh, pedophile on the side, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I was not into. I I was very clear about my boundaries. Yo, I, I was too. And so what was interesting is like that was happening. Right. But my friend and I, she was also abused by somebody who broke into their house when she was very little. Oh my God. Um, it was like a drifter <laughs> that broke into her window. Oh. And anyway, it, that, Isn't you know, it that's interesting another... how these statistically, when 
uh, the most of the study has been done on girls, um, which is unfair because these things yes. happen in boys too. And I never like yes. to push that under the rug or dismiss that mm-hmm. experience because I think there's its own special trauma. Yes, um, absolutely. With, with boys for sure, because boys are told, well, you know, if you get an erection, you must have wanted it. Mm-hmm. No, it's just that's a biological response. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, nope, nope, that's that's not true at all. Um, so anyway, um, that girls that are, you know, experience these things too young, either go very loose, mm-hmm. you know, what we call loose in the eighties, right. Mm-hmm. Um, or very tight, which sounds like what the three of us did, your friend and I, I'm like, so that, you know, that yeah. I was what they call a prude, a boy would kind of make a pass at me. And I'd be like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. I don't know what your character, your intentions or, mm-hmm. you know, I'd give them the, the riot act because I'm like, I am more than my body. Yeah. Chance at my body. If you haven't connected with my brain, who I am, which is kind of early feminism, right? Uh Uh-huh. Well, so what's interesting is, so he, um, there's a lot of interesting things about the the scenario, right? So, you know, my, you know, again, this was a neighborhood lived kind of across the street catty corner and he was a foster child, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking back, like, right, I don't fault my mom for this at all because it's just, you know, the foster mom was a good friend and he presented himself as a very responsible person, just came from a bad situation, right? Right. And so I think she harbors a lot of unresolved guilt that she put this person, you know, she put me in this person's care and this happened to me, right? But again, it was also a time where it wasn't even on the radar to ask kids people what's the background yeah Yeah. you know yeah so Uh, I just don't think people even comprehend it which is so funny because throughout the whole entire history of humankind Mm -hmm. this has happened but somehow in the 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 magic of the 80s and this the 50s 60s you know like yeah we have comfort we've survived these wars you know we've evolved beyond all of these things people just got stupid yeah oh yeah oh for sure yeah. So he left, he um, joined the Marines when I was nine. So obviously much older than I was. Right. Um, and that 10 so years was, again, See, yes. 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was gone. Right. And I didn't have to think about it anymore. Right? I felt like in, in my little mind, like I was safe. Right. And he would right. use, like, I had really bad, like nightmares and stuff. And I didn't like to sleep in my room when my parents weren't there. And so my parents would let me go to sleep in their room. And he would, you know, tell me, you can't go sleep in your parents' room unless you do blah, 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 blah. Right. So a lot of it, like I blocked out and I intentionally don't really want to go down that road. I know some of what happened, um, but, you know, just kind of blocked it out. So when I was nine, I also started my cycle. Now there's all kinds of statistics as well that talk about early onset of puberty when you've been abused. Um, and so there's a lot of that kind of stuff, right? So, um, when I was nine year old, man, that's, yeah, that's, that's, I just had to sit with my mommy heart with that for a minute. Yeah. 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 And so I, um, I went, so immediately when I started my cycle, I started gaining weight and my mom couldn't figure out why. And, you know, I think part of it was, um, hormonal. I think part of it was if I put w- enough weight on, I will be, I will not be attractive. 
Okay. And that, right? and right. Like, let's just subconscious about sitting with that. That is yeah. such a statistic. So, common. Oh, for sure. so, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the yep. big baggy shirts, you know, all the different things that people do. Plus, you know, food is a fantastic comfort. Oh, for sure. I, yep. I joke that there is a very large woman trying to eat her way out through the things mm-hmm. I put in my mouth. Cause I love eating and I had food scarcity, what we call it now, then yeah. we just called it hungry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but that's such a, uh, in my work as a makeup artist, I cannot tell you how many women mm-hmm. that have struggled with their weight and then we'll be talking and I'm not like a health coach. It's not anything, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm their makeup artist and I love them. And so they start opening up to me and how many of them it relates back to some kind of body shaming they got from a dad, um, mm-hmm. which just goes to show how important good dads are because mm-hmm. the well, mine was my mom and my grandma was not a father figure. My dad never shamed me in any way, shape or form. But it's, it's interesting how like I was body shamed by my grandmother, mm-hmm. but the statistics really show how male body shaming will set mm-hmm. girls up for early sexual behaviors, which is interesting. Interesting. I think body yeah, shaming. They're looking for, general, they're looking, yeah, they're looking for some yeah. sort of um, validation. Of I'm, I'm against are. all body shaming, just to be yeah. clear on yes. your hotness podcast, but yes. that was just a, an interesting slant on that statistic of how uh-huh. important having um, strong male role models in your life are and strong female role models. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that if you have community, if you yep. don't have those in your home, you can create healthy that. Yep. But then there's those people who take advantage. <sighs> yeah. Right. Where, where you're like, there's no safe place to turn. Right. Which is just like a whole other thing on another level. But so, um, well, I, I don't want to, that, that's kind of a, I mean, Aaron, that's, that's kind of a, don't, 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 you know, place to leave it. There are safe oh, yeah. people out there. Oh, we no, for sure. No, but willing. what I mean is like you, then you feel as that abused right. person. Right. Like, exactly. Let me because clarify that's that. part of the grooming process. But yes. we, as the adults now, yes, get to ask the hard questions of those that are caretakers to our children. Yes. And Absolutely. we have the right to know that. And if there's any doubt, mm-hmm. you don't use them. Yep. And they're not part of your life and they're not part of your children's lives. And they're right. That that's the thing that always kills me. These stories that people are telling me, which I don't feel like I finished that about that. The weight is such a common symptom. I think Mm -hmm. I kind of alluded Mm -hmm. to it, but of how many people have to hang out with their abuser later. Yeah. And I do not believe that if grandpa abuses a grandchild, not only is it lost access to that grandchild, and That's again, me. I believe in the principle Everything. of forgiveness, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the atonement and all this kind of warm, fuzzy stuff, but the work has to be done. They have mm-hmm. lost unsupervised access to all of these people, all yep. of them. And the, uh, the child that's been victimized doesn't have to do Thanksgiving with them. Yep. Yep. Military Absolutely. families do it all the time. They have two Christmases. Get over it. Do yep. that. You know? <laughs> Yeah. It just kills me how they make. So you're, you're going to tell your story and then I'll yep. just call again. <laughs> you're, I'll you're again. You're good. <laughs> I know. Cause it's you know, something to be incredibly passionate about. Like I, and I think what's, so when I was 12, um, so in between that time, right. I have a lot of, 
um, my mom not being able to figure out why is she gaining weight, taking me to every doctor, putting me on every diet, starting from the time I was probably like almost 10. But you could but also have just gone through like, you know, a little bit of, I mean, do we used to, we would call it baby fat body mature. Yeah. Well, like, and that's probably what it was. And then because they got so hyper-focused on it. So my mom and my grandma, um, both very, uh, my grandmother was right. Always very thin, never had an issue with weight. You know, this all comes probably genetically from my dad's side of the family. Obviously my mom is still doesn't have a weight issue. Never has, you know, all of that. Lesser. Yeah. Um, she never works out and she has calves. Like, you know, she's spent every minute at the, you know, leg press and <laughs> doing, you know, calf lifts and everything. Right. So there's a lady at my church that when she's pregnant, looks like my belly normally. Yeah. And you're and like, he's the nicest thing in the world. And I tell her sometimes <laughs> it's a good thing because sometimes I look at you and I am just like, uh, I've had to be pregnant why? the same time as her and it hurt my heart. Oh, I could put a plate underneath the girls. Mm-hmm. Ladies know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And the plate, the tummy would hold the plate up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when I made this comment the first time to her about how trim she is, you know, she's like, oh, and I was like, because yeah. I have a rule and I explained the rule that you do not get to criticize your weight. If the person you're complaining to has heavier, a larger, <laughs> sexier version, yes, all people at all different sizes. Yes. You can only complain to people smaller than you. Yeah. This yes. would solve a lot of female pain. Don't you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Back to your story. Yes. So when I was 12, um, you know, this individual came home from leave um, and happened to, I was walking home from school and he crossed the street and intercepted me and I had blocked everything, right? Like I'd never told anybody. I just put it behind me because he was gone. So three years later, he shows up and is in my face and something just flipped in me. Oh yeah. It's called a trigger. Oh yeah. And he said, Oh my, 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 how we've grown. I will never forget the situation. And, and he's Ew. like, we're going to have to get together real soon. And I lost it on him. <gasps> and I got right in his face. And I said, if you ever lay a hand on me again, I, and I'm going to say this and it's probably not appropriate, but, I'll say it. but um, I swear to God, I will kill you. Yeah. And he just like, he was like, whoa. And he kind of stepped back and he's like, ah, oh, you don't have to be so. And I was like, I I'm serious. And he goes, all right. And he crossed the street and I just kept walking. And then from that point on, I started losing it. Like, you know, my, I was acting out because I didn't know how after all these years, right. To say something to anybody. Yeah, but I have to pause for a moment here. Cause you, the, what this moment that you had, this is what I took my power back. Yeah. This, this is like, I always have conversations with my younger self where I say, I can't fix what happened to you, but your story ends awesome. And I go back and this is people exercise you'll do in therapy and stuff to go back, oh, yeah. and take the little girl and be like, you can't do that to me. Yeah. And you did that. Oh yeah. You did that. And that you maybe oh, you yeah. have to tell me how you had a hard time managing all your emotions. Yeah. Cause you were a teenager with <laughs> yeah. some really big feelings, but I'm so happy for little Aaron. Oh that yeah. She knew how God's name should be used as yeah. a vow, as a promise. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's and not he will swearing. back me. He will back me up. <laughs> that is not yeah. swearing. 
Oh yeah. I had an evangelistic granny who, if I use the Lord's name in vain, I would have to sit and read scriptures for whatever time period she felt in the moment. Right. And she was at our house a lot. Right. (laughs) There's that scripture where God says, if you hurt, you know, children, it is better than a millstone be thrown around your neck and you're cast into the sea. So I'm pretty sure God is with you on this one. <laughs> Absolutely. A million percent. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I went through probably the next two to three years again, just struggling in life in general. My mom and my stepdad ended up getting divorced because so you didn't tell anyone yet. Oh, no, no. Okay. So when I was 13, my mom and my stepdad ended up getting divorced because my mom is taking me to counseling. The counselor said, you know, you guys need to do some family therapy. Right. And I was just kind of like, you but know, I thought you said he was the love. Her oh, he is. He, he was. And okay. They yeah. Were divor- yeah. They were divorced for seven years and ended up getting back together. And okay. Cause remarried. I'm like, oh, I, know. I wanted your mom to have, well, he said, he said that, um, whatever was going on was my problem and he didn't want to, and that I was a ticking bomb and he didn't want to be around when I went off. Okay. Now and my mom was like, yeah, my mom was like, well, you know what? Then I guess I have my answer because I will always cho- choose my children. Yeah. So, um, and he's like, what are you asking me for? A div- are you saying we should get divorced? And she said, well, if you're not going to participate and try to figure out what's wrong with our family and fix this and fix, you know, what's going on with her, then yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. And what's interesting when they had gotten back together, you know, my mom always says my dad was not, my dad was a full on atheist when they were married the first time, like had no interest. You know, my mom was Roman Catholic, still is very, very, very devout. Well, stepdad. (laughs) My stepdad was not, he was atheist during their first marriage. When he came back to her, he basically was like, I want to go to church with you. And she was like, what, you know? And so she's just like, you know, God is mysterious and he works in mysterious ways. And, you know, when we were together the first time, it wasn't right. But when he came back, he was a different person. One of my favorite people in the world is an atheist, mm -hmm. but I was not liking him a whole lot. And it wasn't because he was an atheist. It's because he wasn't willing to parent Mm -hmm. in the hard times. But I do kind of like that he found something to help him reconnect with beyond, Mm -hmm. right? That's well, what's of- interesting is all those seven years, my brother and I maintained a relationship with him because he was our dad. I mean, for eight years of my little life, he was my, and he was my dad. That didn't change. This right. And my, so and my mom was so pissed, right. Because he would come and pick us up and go do things with us. And she's just like, I gave him up for you guys. And you're, you know, I gave, you know what I mean? Like, she's this just is, like, this is not a happy story. This is a little bit of no. a yo-yo for me right now. I'm like, yay, no, uh, you know, as, yeah, as and well, then, I think yeah. I'd learned that there aren't all, not all stories are happily ever after. In fact, oh, yeah. a few of them have nice little bows on them, but the heavy ever after is who we become. Yes. But, and that, um, and that's I'm, the, that's the ending of the story too, right? That they're so, happy now. Yay. Happily ever after. Oh, my dad, my dad passed away in April ah! 2019, but he was, he was 80, okay. 80. Well, yeah. And he had had COPD. He was very sick for a very long time. Okay. Well, I've decided um, 80 is still a little young to die. But yeah. Are officially an old person at 80. Yeah. Had he quit smoking when the doctors told him to quit smoking, he probably never would have gotten COPD and all of that, but you know, it's a strong addiction. And so, yeah. 
he made his choices then and he, he paid for it. My mom paid for it because she didn't get the retirement and the long-term life that she thought she was going to. And my mom's 73 and doesn't look a day over 60. Yeah. We don't don't, um, like her calves. I've I've learned that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) No, I got them genetically. Oh, perfect. Perfect. They just need, uh, you know, they just, they just need a little shedding. So, um, (laughs) but uh, yeah. So shaving shedding like oh, shedding okay. of, of, um, of love. excess, excess love that are on yes. <laughs> so, um, in any case, uh, you know, they divorced my mom and my brother and I moved to a different, so we, you know, gave up our idyllic, you know, farm living life and, and all of that. Like we had, it, it was all changed. Um, and when I was 15, I finally told my best friend, and she was like, you have to tell somebody, you have to tell somebody else. So I went to the school counselor Good. because I felt like I couldn't tell my mom. I didn't feel like she would believe me because of all the history of behavior that I had had, mm-hmm. that she would say, I was just saying that it's another attention getting thing. And when I told my counselor this, they're just like, I can't believe that that would be true. And I'm like, you don't, you don't know my mom. Like, you don't know our relationship. Like I, there is no way that me telling her is going to end well. So I, I've always been a planner. I've always been a, you know, have a, have a fallback plan. Right. So my fallback plan was that, um, and I had talked to my friend and talked to her parents that if it went bad, that I could go stay with them until, because it was just me and my mom, my brother had was in the army and was gone well, when I was your friend. I mean, she hasn't, uh, yeah. probably didn't attend a training back then no. um, on how to do well, this. Was, this was a different friend that I ended up staying with. Oh, okay. Um, but good, good job on the friend. Yeah. That, like you need to talk to someone and didn't carry that. And we need to make sure that we tell our kids that there are mm-hmm. secrets you keep, but most secrets um, are bad and we need yeah. to share them. Yeah. You know, like secrets, you know, give way for dysfunction, like keep secrets mm-hmm. are going to come out anyway. But if it's somebody mm-hmm. talking about suicide, abuse, these yeah. kinds of things cannot be. You well, know, and then for us both to be like, you know, level-headed enough to be like, I need to get help from somewhere else. I need to tell this truth. What's interesting is I was in like active therapy at the time, but because it was my mom, you know, had put me in this therapist and it was her therapist too. And all this stuff, like I didn't, I knew I could trust him, but I also just didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to talk You're about working it with that therapist that's attached to your mom. So it felt yeah. like your mom, I get you. I get yeah. you. Yeah. So my friend went with me to the school counselor and I told them and they said, well, you're good. You, you have to, you have to tell your mom, right. You have to, I legally am bound to <laughs> right, tell, right, right. tell your mom to talk to, you know, everybody and everything. Right. So Um, so I had my plan all together. My mom came in, we sat down, I finally tell her and she reacted exactly like I thought she would react. Oh, dang it. So I ended up going and staying with my friend for probably about almost a month, um, until my mom cooled down. And then my mom was pissed at my friend's parents because how dare they agree to take me in. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they were giving me safe Harbor because I didn't know what was going to happen. I couldn't go home with her Children go on the streets. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, my mom and I kind of worked through it the best we could. And, um, I moved back home 
and it was just never really the same. My mom was in a bad place. I was in a bad place. Um, and my brother was gone. One time he came back and I, I told my mom that I wanted to talk to him about it. And she told me that I was not going to ruin my brother's leave and time with family by bothering him with my problems. So your mom's how old again? 73. She's, she's a boomer. Yeah. <laughs> but, so it's, it's, uh, th- I mean, that, that sounded like, you know, uh-huh. that, I mean, your mom's a little young too, but you know, like, you know, people that were raised in the fifties, we just, you don't talk about it. It doesn't hurt you. No. And boys in my family are always revered the, the chosen and the better ones and the protected ones. That's very and, 1950s. <laughs> oh, it, this is my grandmother. This is the matriarch of our family. And this is how it was. Boys were just better. Boys could do no wrong. Boys were perfect. You know, she had two boys, two girls, and my mom was the pretty one. And my aunt was the stupid one. You know, it was just like, mm-hmm. yeah. That, um, that and that was their right. only value. That was their only value. Their look right? and their, their look to attract. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so because my aunt was not as attractive as my mom, it was, you know, she was, yeah, it, you know, it's all, that's my childhood, you yeah. know? So yeah. I'm actually pretty good looking, not at the yeah. moment, but, <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, you know, the, that's, that's what my whole first book's about is mm-hmm. how do we deal with people's perception of our value and really as women or men or whatever we have, we none of us have the body, the life that we set out getting right. And to have our value be ascribed to how much money we make, what our career is, what we look Mm -hmm. like. These are all Mm -hmm. sources of poopiness to derive your significance from. Yep. And those are all things that I drive my, like I have, I've always had such a strong fear of failure, right. Of, um, and it's interesting when I own my own business doing consulting, I, um, when I had to finally like kind of pull the plug and say, I need to go find a job, right. I felt like an incredible failure and it was really hard for me to swallow. And it's just like, it's so ridiculous. Right. Because I was able to find a job like that. Right. You know, making, you know, I make really good money. It sounds like from your childhood Mm -hmm. that when the poop hits the fan, you didn't have a fallback, which is going to make, you know, failure that much harder. Mm-hmm. No, they don't have, uh, you know, some, somebody they'll help yeah. you. I mean, yeah. my kids know that's why I have a big house. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you can happens, always come back. You can <laughs> yeah. always come back and mama likes you here. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's, it's, you know, <clears throat> so when I was about 16, I moved out of my mom's house in a very dramatic way because I don't do anything really non-dramatic. Right. I already had, um, a full-time job. Um, and I, uh, I was working. So I had transitioned to going to night school because I hated school and I just wanted to get done fast. And I worked at a diner as a waitress and made pretty good money. So, um, I ended up moving out when I was 16. My mom went on a trip with one of her boyfriends and when, and I kept trying to tell her, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. You know, 
I'm struggling with some stuff. And she's like, I, I just cannot deal with this right now. We're, you're just going to have to wait until I get back. And I'm okay, like, so okay. I, is your mom one of these that always had a guy? Um, not really. Okay. She never got serious with anybody. Um, I just because I think she still like was in love with my stepdad and my dad, right? Like she still pined for him and hoped that even though they ne- they didn't even talk to each other for 70 years, okay. like look at each other. And when my dad would come and pick us up, she would go back in the back room and not even like and acknowledge his And he didn't adopt presence. you guys. So he didn't have a legal right. Right. But we wanted, and so to, she let they us. didn't have yeah. to communicate. No, yeah. no, no, nope, they did not. <laughs> so, and so it was just, it was just an interesting scenario, but. Um, Once so, again, ladies and gentlemen, the problems that are caused by not communicating. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I. I just did the, you know, appropriate, uh, teenage thing. And she, as she left, she said, and when I get one, when I get home, I want your room spotless. And I'm like, okay. So there was not a dust bunny left in that bedroom when she got back. And I put a note on my door that said my room is spotless. So she was saying, clean it. Yeah. And you cleaned it out. Oh yeah. And I moved. Where did you go? So I moved in with a friend of mine that we ended up being roommates for, you know, about a year. Um, And then we got like, she was in a studio apartment and then we got a two bedroom apartment in the same apartment complex. She was 18. So she, you know, could be on the lease, but again, this was the eighties. So the second apartment I got by myself, um, (laughs) I still have the lease. (laughs) I was um, almost, yeah, I was about, I was 17. And, um, I rented that apartment. It was a two bedroom apartment for $450 a month. And I still <laughs> have the money. lease That's yeah. a lot of money back then too. Oh yeah. And it was not the greatest of neighborhoods, but you know what? They didn't question how old I was or give a crap. So it was kind of like, but they wanted their 450 bucks a month. And as long as I paid that, they didn't care. Right. <laughs> so I was, you know, 12 and my best friend <laughs> that I grew up with that we've been friends since we were five, six, six, we met in first, the first day in first grade. Um, and we're still, you know, friends to this day. She, uh, she and I lived like on the second floor in the same building, but like the staircases went down this way. Like they didn't, there wasn't like a porch area that connected them. So we cut a wall, we cut a hole in the wall through the, (laughs) through the cabinet. So we could open the cabinet and talk to each other without having to. Oh Yeah. Oh yeah. We shared, they shared a wall. So it was just in a cabinet so that we could close it and the landlord would never know. And you passed inspection. And by the time they found it, the next tenants had moved in and we're like, oh, I'm sure. What in the hell is this hole in the cabinet? Anyway, that's it. That's, that's just hilarious. a funny side story. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause we were too lazy to go down and up the stairs all the time. So that we were makes like, perfect sense. We didn't have cell phones. How yeah. do you text a friend? You just no. cut a hole in the wall. Yes. Yeah. And you go, Hey, hey, open your cabinet. Um, it was like the <laughs> ultimate, like, you know, cup string cup, uh, telephone, right? What, what year was this about? Um, it would have been 1988, 89. Yeah. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Clever mm-hmm. ways to text your friends. Listen. Yeah. So, um, anyway, bopped around different places when I was 18, almost 19, I moved to California and I was a a nanny for my aunt and she was, and the exchange there was room and board and she paid for my college. 
And um, which my mom really hated because this was my biological father's sister who I was very close to. And my mom does not like any of that family. Right. But I felt like I needed to figure out what the other side of me abandoned her by dying. Right. Okay. Well, any, any cheated on her. My, my, my grandparents were actually very, very, very horrible to her. They tried to steal one of the life insurance policies that they felt was owed to them because they took care of him the last few years or the last year of his life. Um, and they, at my dad's funeral in front of my brother told, told her that they had raised their children and they weren't going to raise any other children. So basically don't come to me for help. Like, and we don't want you. So my brother has never had a relationship. He was seven at the time. And so he heard that, you know, and exactly what you should do when somebody (laughs) found themselves single because of death is to make sure you don't help. Yeah. And you let them know that you have no intention of helping them too. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, that's, yeah. there's, um, there's words. Yeah, there's words for sure. That. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I was a nanny through college for, for my aunt and, um, that enabled me to kind of learn about that side of my family, to hear stories about my dad. Cause my mom didn't really talk about him either positive or negative, really my whole life, you know? Um, and I've always felt like there was this missing part of me and that was the whole other part of my family, right? A whole other part of me who I think genetically I am way more um, <clears throat> like uh, close to and now doing DNA, I, I see that too. And it's funny because yeah. I always joke with my aunt that I was given to the wrong sibling. <laughs> and then I, te- I tease her all the time and say, because we look alike, like there's, it's just all this crazy stuff, right? And I tell right. her all the time, I'm like, are you sure you aren't really my mom and you got pregnant as a teenager and you just gave me to them um, and they took me because that was the right thing. They'd to already, do. they'd already made a baby. Right. So, so here's another one. That yeah. You can Roman raise, Catholic you know. family damage already done. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that was very typical in Roman Catholic families to be like, here's this child to the other sibling that could raise them. Right. That, without right. it talking to anybody or it being you know, anything. And so when I did my, this is just a funny story. When I did my 23 and me, when it initially came back, um, my aunt had already done 23 and me, it said, um, relationship aunt or closer relative. So I sent her a screenshot of it and I said, see, I knew it. (laughs) There was something you didn't tell me. And she was like, no. And then it updated it later to say she was my aunt, you know, but um, I was just like, see, I told you, you were lying to me all these years. (laughs) Well, I am the spinning image of my mother. Oh, okay. So there, there was never any question for me on that. Yeah. I mean, literally people say to me now, you look so much like your mom. Cause I inadvertently, I mean, wasn't on purpose or not on purpose, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. picked out glasses that are exactly like the ones my mother had at the same age. I mean, oh, mine gosh. have a little cheetah print on them, yeah, yeah, yeah. same shape and everything. And so when family sees me, they're like, that's how I remember your mom. Cause now like, oh, a wheelchair and everything. And no, it's fine. My, I think yeah, my yeah. mom's a, a lovely woman. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you, you know, always because- feel like God, no. <laughs> oh no. Well, now I've turned that corner where, you know, no, I mean, for, for my family, um, uh, you know, I've, I've really worked through the, the image issues. I mean, you know, yeah. I wrote a book on it, but, yeah. um, I, I, it's, it's my, 
I think my mom is, you know, I've got her eyes that see people and love others. And Mm -hmm. I think we have to do that work to kind of work on those things because people Mm -hmm. may say things that can irritate us, but Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with growing a little older, but it's funny how I look exactly like my mother at my same age. Yeah. I'm just, um, I have, I have a lot of my mom's characteristics. Like we have the same feet too. And like, there's some, you know, and I think some of like, what I say or things that I do come right. directly from her, but that's part of growing well, up. There's the, the, the nature, her. you know, our DNA, yeah. and there's the nurture, what we grew yeah. up around. Right. Yeah. So yeah. they've, you know, taken twins that didn't grow up around each other, but yet they have similar mannerisms. That story, yeah. the, the triplets that mm-hmm. all been adopted out to different families and yet how many similarities they have. Yeah. But at the same time, that's, that's the raw materials. Yeah. What we do with them. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, all that being said, what's, what's interesting, I went to college for architecture. Um, and in my third year, I got bucked off a horse and shattered my left wrist and I'm left-handed. Oh, so no. I had a compound commuted distal radial ulnar fracture, say that 12 times real fast. I will. Um, and I have, you know, <laughs> people are always like, oh my gosh. Well, first of all, like one of my scars goes straight down, you know, my wrist. So people are like, sometimes people see the scar and they look at me like, like five, six, what happened? Yeah. And so they think like, you know, I tried to kill myself (laughs) and I'm like, if I had that, I did it the right way and I would not be right. Like, so it's just interesting how people like immediately jump to that. And I'm like, no, I got bucked off a horse and, but you know, well, thank you for um, assuming if, cause if that were the thing, Mm -hmm. the way to respond to that is not, Ooh, what did you Mm -hmm. try to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah. So in the midst of all of this too, I totally forgot this part of my story. When I was 12, one of my very dear friends, um, killed herself. Died. By and yeah. yes, died. By, yeah. And, um, I just like that terminology better because yeah. I don't think it, you know, there, there's so much that we know that goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, you know, there's mental illness, there's circumstances, there's moments of probably a lot, all of those things. Right. And, right. You know, exactly. we didn't see mental illness. Then she had a higher than normal pressure on her to be perfect. Um, right. right. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of things around that um, Dead society story. Oh, for those who haven't seen the movie, never mind, No one dies. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, that's really hard. So you've got yeah. you're dealing with a mom that could maybe work on some communication skills. Yep. Yep. Um, you've got a dead dad, you've got a stepdad that's awesome, but not in the home. Um, well, he was just kind of checked out in general, right? Right. He right. Had his own, I mean, he was he's, dealing with his own demons, right? Yeah. Um, so he's maybe, maybe could be awesome later for your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so lack of communication, having been molested by the local babysitter mm-hmm. and you're one of your best, what your best friend or one of your best friends at the time. She was my best friend, but she also, we had had a fight. And so she wasn't, we weren't talking to each other. So of course I blamed myself that right. Had I not, not like, saying right. So upset, correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but you just you you do, do you immediately go to blame. You missed all the signs. Like she was returning things at school to people. She was, you know, but she used to always say things like, oh, I could just jump in front of this car and it would all be over. And I'd be like, oh, stop it, Amy. That's so ridiculous, you know? And, right. you know, it was yeah. things that you miss, right? But nowadays we can like Google, that. what are the warning signs of suicide? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But know? even then I could, I looked at back and I was like, she, she separated herself from me. She separated herself from other friends. She, you know, all of these things that she did were in preparation for what she did, you know, and, um, none of us saw it. And then I had a teacher who told me that, you know, oh, it's been a few weeks. You need to just get over it now. You know, and I like went to the office and called my mom and my mom came in and let this teacher have it and let the administration have it. And child of the eighties, just get over it. I know. What is your problem? Like, you know, (laughs) so she's gone. Like, okay, you had your time to grieve. Now it's time to move on. You know? And I'm like, what? You know, I had Um, a a friend that was when I was uh, in the third grade who died in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm curious to know, but it was interesting how everybody acted like they were JD's best friend mm-hmm. and they it weren't happened. JD's best friend. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a sad thing that after someone's gone, that people mm-hmm. do that and mm-hmm. miss the people that are doing the, what a coulda, shoulda questions. Yep. And what if crazy idea, we just, though you have your dearest friends, what if we looked at everyone like our acquaintances mm-hmm. and we, Hey, hi, how are you doing? Right. Yeah. What yeah. If, what if we were just nicer? Yeah. Yeah. In general. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when I reprogram the teenage brain, there will be no bully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, went through college. So I ended up having to changed my degree, changed what was my, you know, dream of being an architect, my whole, you know, I, I was, uh, I was a cellist from the time. So when I was five to nine, I played the piano and then from nine to, you know, through college and I still have my cello, you know, I was in all state, I was in symphony, I was in the school orchestra, like all of that. Overachiever. Um, Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit that planner in you. Yeah. I went to summer camp suppress everything. Oh, for sure. It gave me some sort of outlet. Right. And, um, uh, so the friend that I told about what happened to me, she and I were like first and third chair, um, (laughs) always. And I'd get so mad because I'm like, why can't I be second chair? And finally, one of my conductors said, think about where cellists sit when the stage is looking and what the first thing they hear is not the second cellist. (laughs) It's the first, third, fifth, Um, so one of my other friends that I grew up with, um, she was fifth chair, right? So he said, think about it. You're Julie's first, you're second and Martha is third, right? Because you're on the outside. Like he said, I wish I could renumber how it is. So get over the fact that you're not second. I will never put you in second. (laughs) You'll have to beat Julie. And I'm like, well, that's never happening. So I guess, (laughs) I guess I'm happy where I am in third. Boy, he just told you how it was. He yeah. did because he was like, quit complaining to me about how you're never second chair. You really are. So just get over it. You know? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I just so how many like, times have people told you get over it in your life? That oh, was too one many. time it was probably okay. That was the one time I should have gotten <laughs> over it. Absolutely. He told me the truth. And then I was like, okay, I get it. Whether he was feeding me a line or not, but it made sense. And you know, yeah, it's all good. Um, but okay, so your friend has died. Mm-hmm. You were leading up to something. I'm sitting here in the movie theater with my, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I I did, um, when I, you know, probably six months after that, you know, I was dealing with all this stuff and I took a bunch of pills out, went to my mom or went to my dad. My mom wasn't home. He called my mom and said, you need to come and pick her up and take her somewhere. She, apparently she's taken a bunch of pills. 
and she's freaking out. And my mom was like, I'm laughing because they're take her somewhere. Like you're calling me where I am to come and get her. You know what I mean? This whole like translation. And so my mom called 911 before she left her friend's house. So your mom, the nurse took this seriously. Now, um, is, is that how your friend had passed? No, um, okay. I don't, I don't, way really worse. Know yeah, you probably, I don't, I don't want to know. Even I, wants to know. I just, no, it's, because you know, the, the copycat thing, it's a very, happening. no, it's a very, she did it in a very final way. There was no, okay. okay. I, yeah. Let's, me. let's, I think we've had enough triggers in this podcast. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, to all of, all of this stuff happens. Right. And, and at the end of college, I, or at the end of understanding that I'm going to have to change my, my focus and, and everything in life. I, um, oh, my dog's, sorry. It's okay. We can just edit it. Yep. Okay, good. We'll edit that out. So, um, I kind of, you know, fumbled around, tried to figure things out, went back to the restaurant industry for a long time. Um, you know, was incredibly successful at that ended up being a manager, which sucked. If anybody knows, like, I wish wish that I had just stayed a waitress and never been a manager. Um, And then I got a opportunity to um, work at a health plan, entry level data entry, entering claims. And um, then finally decided um, that this is what I wanted to do, right? So I just put everything into it. I started learning different things within the health plan. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. I learned everything I possibly could, ins and outs. Um, I've been now in that industry for 28 years. Oh, wow. Now, did you ever finish college? I didn't quite catch it. I did. didn't. I'm actually doing that right now. Um, oh, good for I'm you. Doing WGU. I'm on my last term. So I have... Um, the end of this month to finish four classes and I um, am my capstone and I graduate. So wow, well, thank you for taking the time to do this and yes. your aunt's still not paying. She just paid back then. No, she did. Yeah. Just when I yeah. was going, when, just when I was living with her. No, I paid for it myself now. I was mostly saying that as a joke. Yes. Yes. You know? so she probably would if I said, Hey, <laughs> man, but, isn't that so many crazy twists and turns and, um, things that you overcame. Yeah. And so, you know, I back in, uh, well, in the summertime, I decided that, you know, um, I had dealt with my demons. I've probably done every diet you can possibly think of to try to lose the weight. I get to a certain point and can't lose beyond that. Um, I work out typically I'm not right now. Um, but I typically work out like six days a week, at least, um, you know, hardcore lifting, like all that stuff. And just could not, no matter how little, how much, how muscle does weigh two times more than fat. I know. know. That's one of the mantras of my life. (laughs) I know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I decided that I wanted to do weight loss surgery and get a gastric sleeve. And, um, so I started going through the process of, okay, I know that there's obviously some residual stuff stuck in my brain and my soul that I need to expunge, <laughs> right? Right, right. Deal yeah. with finally, like there's all of always that. Always more work that can be done. Always yeah. more work. So I started, I engaged my therapist again and started doing intense therapy um, to learn that um, I'm incredibly codependent right. Um, that I want to help everybody, but I forget about myself all the time. 
Uh-huh. And it made me You're such the a only, hard. the only person who's ever. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. And so, and so I had to look at myself and say, like, look at my life. It caused me to look at my life. Um, in the last seven years of my marriage, you know, we went through counseling several times. Um, I felt like I have been the sole supporter of the family, financially, emotionally, everything, and had asked several times, begged, cried to have a partnership, you know, and it just didn't really ever happen. And um, I would go through these phases of, um, well, you know, this is my life, so I guess I have to be okay with it, you know, Mm -hmm. and back off and allow the things that I didn't want for myself to keep happening. Um, there are a lot of other issues that I probably shouldn't get into in a podcast right now, but you know, just the normal stuff. And I had to finally, I finally just got to the point where I just took my power back in mm-hmm. that relationship. And, um, you know, think- it's, it's interesting because People have asked me a lot of times, like with everything that I went through, how did I manage not to marry in reaction to that? Mm. And I, I was asked this by someone close to me and I said, what makes you think I didn't? Mm. I just had been to enough therapy and seen enough families that had let me, you know, I mean, I cleaned their houses and worked for them and saw yeah. the see of how they worked that I knew what dynamic I wanted. Yeah. And I was very methodical about my dating and got people would be like, you are weird, Mm -hmm. but I knew what hell looked like. Yeah. Yeah. And I was okay with being single Mm -hmm. and people would tell me I wasn't good looking enough to Mm -hmm. catch what I wanted. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. then I will be single. And I, I consider myself not just lucky, but incredibly blessed that for whatever reason, which I think it was because I only had, because genetically, literally my husband is one of a million that could help Mm -hmm. me because of a genetic translocation I have. So Mm -hmm. it was just, there's so many divine things that went into it that for whatever reason, I got it right the first time. Mm -hmm. And so often you see people who they don't get that. And how can I feel anything? I can't say, oh, it's because I was so great. Mm -hmm. I just, that's why I have to say luck blessed Mm -hmm. because to have it go right with everything that was crazy in my head Mm -hmm. that I had done enough work that I knew I couldn't make an emotional decision. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, I, I didn't get married until I was 38. Um, You know, we met when, well, no, 39. We met when I was, uh, yeah, I was almost, I was almost four. No, I had just turned 39 when we got married, met when I was about 37. So, um, I honestly thought that I was marrying somebody that I wasn't. And there's, you know, obviously, yeah, and maybe a, you, and maybe you did, I was, I was sold, but, I was sold something right, that but wasn't I mean, reality. Even, even that, you know, <clears throat> I'm not the same person I was when I got married and mm-hmm. nor is my husband we have Mm -hmm. changed. And sometimes people change in ways that no longer work for both parties. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's so important to, 
you know, yeah. sit down and have those communication and those goals mm-hmm. and hope mm-hmm. that both people didn't depict themselves to be something other than they were. And why communication and, oh, life is so yep. messy and so yes. fabulous at the yes. same time, right? Yes, absolutely. Because, um, you know, obviously um, you see so many divorces where it is a good thing for both people mm-hmm. to not be together because they've mm-hmm. created a dynamic that doesn't work. Well, and I think we had, I think we had, I had, I had, created an environment of enabling Mm. and um you know whether he sees that right now or not this is probably the best thing for both of us you know um and And you have little people we do um they're nine and seven yeah so how does that uh, maybe this is too much of a therapy question yeah. and you're like, Oh, yeah. uh, you know, because it's similar ages to what yeah. you had gone through. And yeah. Yeah. it's, it's interesting how those cycles seem to repeat in a way. And we just yeah. hope to do it better each time. Right. Yeah. And I, and I did, I hope, you know, I, but I also feel like I can't have them grow up seeing a mom who's just going through the motions, right. That it's not living to my my best self, um, and making myself as happy as possible because, and you know, and this is all, all things, all conversations that we've had together. And, you know, I, when I finally was like, this is it, I just said, you know, going through this process and going through this level of therapy helped me recognize that I'm incredibly codependent. I don't need to be, I don't want to be anymore. And this relationship is not serving me. Right. And I'm a big fan of marriages staying together Mm -hmm. as long as both people are getting the enhancing power of marriage. And And both people are trying. (laughs) And that's what I was about to go into because every marriage takes two to three people, depending on your religious beliefs, to make the marriage work. And I've had times in my marriage where I just thought we're not going to, but every time we're not going to make it that I bring my concerns, my hurt. Yeah. When I'm able to verbalize them, my yep. husband's, even if he thinks I'm being crazy, he's all in to help figure <laughs> out what can help me be happier. Yeah. And that makes me incredibly lucky. Absolutely. Because a lot of that was surface and empty promises for me. Um, yeah. when I and would I, reach the breaking point and, and I don't want you to say anything in the middle of a divorce that yeah. later, like, Oh, Lita, I shouldn't have said that, you know, yeah. but I think it's definitely connect, going to connect with a lot of people listening because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was joking earlier about the, the happily ever after with the bow on top, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so nice if we can hear a whole life story and then it all wraps up, but the story that's so I want the listeners and, you know, those enjoying this conversation with us is you went through hell. Yeah. And you shouldn't be okay. And it doesn't matter at what age we figure out why we're here. Yep. And our gifts and our talents, but that we figure it out. Yep. And I think one of one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast was because, you know, I I've shared some of my story through like Instagram and, you know, it filters into Facebook and everything. But I just, I feel like I do have a story to tell and I do have, I, you know, and I hope that I can keep telling it and that I can inspire other women to not give up, you know, Um, that, you know, I, I have been incredibly successful in my life and I don't settle um, for any, anything I've, I tried over the years 
Um, and this is just another opportunity for me to just be stronger. Um, and yeah. you know, so I had the gastric sleeve two weeks ago. Um, you know, and when, when I told my mom what was going on and, you know, uh, when we, we went to her house for Christmas before that, I told her what was going on and she just said, you know, obviously this isn't what I wanted for you. You know, this wasn't the outcome I wanted for you, but I'm, I'm here. I love you. I support you. And I know that you're making the right decision for yourself and your kids. And that's what matters the most. Um, and she goes, maybe, maybe you'll have the sa- a similar story to me. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, you know, okay, that mom, <laughs> if that happens for sure, come back on and catch it all up. Right. I, know. I, know. I mean, life, life is so crazy. Um, you know, talking about the, the little girl, you know, that we were mm-hmm. right. We brought yeah. them up and it's, it, uh, you know, I, I do believe that we as human beings are more than this earthly life. Yeah. And there's so many lessons that I might need a million years just to, (laughs) to, you know, to get all of, you know, in the eternal realms, just to like, okay, what were all the lessons? What were the missteps? And that we're good. I feel like heaven is going to be like, you know, flatter me a little bit here, but kind of (laughs) like this podcast that we're all going to sit down with each other Uh and we're going to be like, tell me what it's like to live. And what did you learn? And then we're uh-huh. going to look at them. It's going to be that moment for, we're talking to someone, you know, funny, you know, the 1400s and we're going to be like, wait, we wow. have in common. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and our experience is completely different, but because we're going to sit down, we're going to learn so much about each other mm-hmm. and that, you know, we're going to grow and it's going to be a new way that we can connect with what we experienced. Yeah. yeah. And that people that are going to go to heaven, which I think mm-hmm. are most people, Mm-hmm. are going to be those that want to learn and grow. Yep. Yeah. And, and I are like settled, <clears throat> right? Yep. Um, in my religious faith, I don't believe in a hell mm-hmm. in, you know, in the sense of, you know, burning and fire. Yeah. I bring <laughs> you know, stone and yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't, that's, you know, I, I won't get into a theology discussion here, but yeah. that's not, but the people that would go to what my religious faith calls outer darkness mm-hmm. is not a bad place. It's um, just nothing. It's like, like we, in my, in my upbringing faith, um, which now I would consider myself kind of non-denominational, right? Right. Um, Well, I got that a little bit backwards. Outer darkness would be like the place with Satan, but just like, like a lower heaven is where the people that settled, which, you know, there's only going to be a very small percentage of people that are going to be like, yeah, I want Satan. Yeah. (laughs) And even people who did really bad things on earth that would yeah. be like, yeah, that's what I want. And they would spit at Jesus. That's, that's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. theology <laughs> yeah. for me, but yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think we cease to exist, but you're saying in your, yeah. your, um, faith journey, there is like a, a ceasing to exist. It, yeah. It, well, I, I don't know that it's ceasing to exist in my mind. It's kind of, um, purgatory, right. Where, you know, you're there and you know, you have knowledge of what it could have been, but you have to live with your life yes. decisions, right? Which so damnation is the lack of movement of water, yes. right? Yes. So, so we, we, we match up, we match up on that. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's what you, it's just like, everybody calls God something different. It's Allah, it's God, it's, you know, the divine, it's Buddha, it's right. whatever it's this, 
you know, cause for years I just felt like, oh, I'm just spiritual because I believe, I believe in a higher power, right? I believe that they're, you know, we're not all just here for like, you know, just to be here for no purpose, right? Some There's, people do. So we don't yeah, want to mock yeah, their yeah. belief, right? No, yeah. no. Yeah. But in my mind, it's just like saying there's this whole universe and all of these, um, you know, uh, all of these other planets and all of this other thing. And for us as intelligent human beings to believe that there's not intel- other intelligent life, it to me is just like, how could, how could you, you know, it's so self-centered to believe that we are the only intelligent life out there, right? I read a book on the history of science mm-hmm. and the writer clearly did not have a slant towards religion, mm-hmm. but it was interesting to me reading it from my perception, mm-hmm. how many of these people throughout history of science mm-hmm. couldn't get around the question, there must be a God. Yeah. And I found that to be really intriguing because that wasn't what I was going to this book to find. Yeah. But it was kind of like, even the writer at the end of the book was kind of like, there has to be something intelligent out there. And we're just, as we're just still learning. And it was kind of like this hopeful statement of, you know, we still have so much more science to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, yeah, that's, we call that God. (laughs) Right. And, um, but it's, uh, how else do you prescribe meaning mm-hmm. to why there's so much pain if mm-hmm. we don't get to at some point digest all the lessons? Yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I not allow bad things to happen because, you know, our heavenly parents, cause I believe it's a God and a, a mom, you know, a mm-hmm. man and a woman that, you know, love us enough. Just like I let my kid just go to California, mm-hmm. right. To go have experiences to expand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's the hardest thing, but they learn and they grow through that. Right. And you hope you've given them the tools to, right. to, you hope. Yeah. That's, you, that's hope. you hope and you pray and you just, you know, that you've done the best job that you can and that they will make, as I, you know, tell my kids all the time, make green choices, <laughs> make great choices, green Green. Oh, green choices. Cause I, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought I just heard green. Yeah. You know, no. because, make um, green choices. I, like we always, my, me and one of my good friends here, but that's what we say, you know, make green choices. <laughs> well, that just makes me happy. Um, yeah. because I used to say in my early twenties, when I chose to go serve a mission for my church and uh-huh. kind of rebelled to do so, cause my family felt like that was a bad investment on my part. Yeah. <laughs> so I rebelled that way. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that I used to say only green, don't be afraid to be green because only green mm-hmm. things grow. Mm-hmm. So I joke, I should have said, don't be afraid to be rich because only the rich can mm-hmm. afford it all or something like yeah. that. Cause I would have married Mr. Rich. Yeah. yeah. No, well, but my, I good that I married yeah. Mr. Green. Cause he's, yes. fantastic. <laughs> yes. but it's just, yes. it's just a funny joke, you know? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Aaron, my heavens, we could just go on and on and on, I know. but I know. Uh, yep. I, I'm sure all the listeners have been like, Oh my heavens, what happens next? And we're going to have people that are wanting to hear mm-hmm. um, the next, the next chapter, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you Absolutely. for being vulnerable and being willing to, to come on when you don't have a perfect little bow to put on it. But I kind of feel mm-hmm. like you do. I feel like it, I do, you know, you I the ribbon out, you know, the yeah. size of the box, you know, what's yeah. going in the box, you know what you're giving. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and what I should be receiving, you know, and that's, oh. boom, yeah. there you go. There you that's, go. That, there's your bow. <laughs> there's my bow. Thank you. And, so and much. I, and I refuse to settle 
until I have what I deserve. Yeah. Well, thank you, Erin, for being on thank this you for episode of Share Your Hotness. I love it. <laughs>